Uh, turn with me in your Bibles, please, this evening to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, please. We're going to take time to read the whole chapter. We're coming back to the series that we're going through in Sunday evenings. The God you need to know. The God you need to know. And this evening we're going to consider this title of grace, the God of grace. This is the God that you need to know. The God who has extended his amazing grace towards us. We've been singing about that already. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And that's the song of the child of God. But we're coming this evening and we're going to sing our suit. To think about God's amazing grace. 2 Samuel chapter 9, please. And we'll take time to read the whole chapter together. It's a short chapter and it's a lovely story to read. And David said, that is King David, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba, and when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any in the house of Saul that I may show kindness the kindness of God unto him. And Ziba said unto the king, And Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is the house of Machir, and the son of Amiel, and Lodabar. And the king David, then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. And will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained, all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. After Mephibosheth said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lean on both his feet. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts. This evening, last year, as a nation, we mourned the loss of Queen Elizabeth II. She was proclaimed queen in the year 1952 at the age of 25. This came after the sudden death of her father, King George. 
and her official coronation took place the following year, on the 2nd of June, 1953. It was the first ever televised coronation, and it was watched at the time by a record 27 million people in the United Kingdom alone. She's the longest, she's the longest, she had the longest living and reign, she was the longest reigning monarch in British history. And although she never went to university, she was the advisor and the, the confidant to 15 prime ministers. She was a remarkable lady, and a remarkable 70 years she reigned on the throne. 70 years is a long time to sit on the throne, to reign over the Commonwealth. And after Her Majesty's death, much was said about her. We heard about her fame, and she was certainly one of the best known people in all the world. We heard about her fortune, we heard about her riches, we heard about her fans. She was an immensely, an immensely popular queen. We heard about her devotion to duty, how she served her country, and she performed her role exceptionally well. Uh, we heard about her family, her children and her grandchildren. I wonder, did you know that she employed 1,200 people, yet she preferred to feed her own dogs? But of course, all of these are important subjects to consider, but you could think also of the Queen and her faith. She spoke often of her faith in the ever-reigning King of Kings. And she certainly acknowledged a belief in God, and she said that's who she drew her strength from. And in our passage this evening, we read about another monarch. His name was King David. He's one of the most famous kings that we read of in the Bible. And in the passage we have read, he shows kindness and is gracious to someone who doesn't deserve it. And it paints a wonderful picture of what the king of kings does. The story is told of a man called the Guardian, who when he was mayor of New York City, during the worst days in the Great Depression throughout World War II, he, he, was called, he was called by adoring New Yorkers the little flower because he was only five foot four and he always had a little, a little flower in his lapel. And he was known for his kindness. He, he would take entire orphanages to baseball games and whenever the New York newspapers were on strike, he, he would go on to the radio and he would read stories to the children. But there was one bitterly cold night in January of 1935 and the mayor turned up at a night court that served the poorest people in the city. And the guardian dismissed the judge for the evening and he took the bench himself. And within a few minutes a tattered old woman was brought before him and she was charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told the guardian that her daughter's husband had deserted her and her daughter was sick. And her two grandchildren were starving, but the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. It's a real bad neighborhood, said the shopkeeper. It's just got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. And the guardian sighed and he turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exception. Ten dollars or ten days in jail. But even as he pronounced his sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket. He took out a $10 note and tossed it into his hat, saying, Here is the $10 note. Here it is, um, which I now remember. And furthermore, I'm going to find everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town 
where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. And he sent a man round to collect all the fines and gave them to the defendant. And so the following day, the New York newspapers reported that $47.50 was turned over to a bewildered old lady who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren. Fifty cents of that amount being contributed by the red-faced grocery store owner. While some, uh, some 70 criminals put into it, people with traffic violations put into it, and even a New York City policeman gave his 50 cents. And of course it came to 47.50. And this is a story of a lady who didn't deserve the mayor's grace. But not only did he pay her debt, but ensured that she was given so much more. The passage that we have read this evening in God's precious word provides for us one of the clearest pictures of amazing grace in the word of God. God uses King David as a living illustration of what grace is all about. And I want you to see this evening this amazing grace that is found at the king's table. And I want you to see that the God you need to know is the God who extends his grace towards you. I just want you to know two things. Two things about this passage this evening. And the first is this. Amazing grace was extended by the king. Amazing grace was extended by the king. Read verse 1 of 2 Samuel 9 with me. It says, David asked, Is there anyone still left at the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now that word kindness is an extremely important word. It can also be translated as saying goodness, mercy, favour and loving kindness. And in the Old Testament, the Old, the New Testament equivalent to this word is the word grace. Where do you see that word kindness in verse 1? In the New Testament, that word would re- be replaced with the word grace. Grace is often defined as the unmerited love and favour of God towards the undeserving. Grace is one person accepting another in spite of the unworthiness of the person being accepted. David desires to extend grace to a member of Saul's family. Saul had been the previous king, who throughout his reign had sought to kill David. It seems strange that David would want to extend grace and kindness towards Saul's family. It's amazing that David wanted to do this. In those days, when a new king would have came to power, he usually destroyed every member of the former king's household in an effort to prevent any rebellion by that family. And King David had the right to execute judgment, but he chose instead to demonstrate grace. David did this not because the house of Saul deserved it, but because of his relationship with Jonathan, who was Saul's son, and because of two promises that he had made many years before, David had promised both Jonathan and Saul that he wouldn't totally destroy their offspring. So this grace is extended. Here really was a family that deserved to be completely destroyed by the new king, yet instead he wanted to extend kindness to this family. You know, when I think about the queen, I'm sure that there are many times that she had to exercise great 
a great amount of grace. We could think of many prime ministers who made public examples of themselves. And she, they went and they had audience with the Queen each week as they discussed the affairs of the country. And I'm sure Queen Elizabeth had to show a lot of grace as each of those prime ministers came in. But tonight, as I think about the graciousness that David extended to a family who were undeserving, it reminds me of you and how you and I are undeserving of God's grace. The God you need to know. The God who is a gracious God that you need to know. Every single one of us have offended a holy God. That the Lord could have cast us off whenever he wanted. Just like King David as a new king would have had a right to just get rid of Saul's family completely. God would have been it right for us as sinners to have just completely cast us off. For God without us completely. The Bible tell, tells us that the wages, what we deserve for our sin is death. What we deserve for offending a holy God and living a life, a living life is simply we want to, it deserves death. But instead of immediately being punished for our sin, we're showing mercy and we're showing kindness and we're showing grace. And we could have been thrown straight into hell without a second thought and would have been right and just for God to do it. But rather, Peter in the New Testament tells us that the Lord is long-suffering, patient to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My dear friend tonight, I want you to see that you and I deserve to die for our sin, but instead the Son of God, the King of Kings, took our place and bore our punishment. You know, the Lord Jesus, the ever-reigning King, loves all people. And I can make it even more personal for you this evening. The Lord Jesus, he loves you, and he died for you to, so that you could be saved. So that you could be freed from God's wrath and a punishment in a lost eternity in the place the Bible calls hell. Imagine someone loving you so much that they would be willing to die for you. To save you from eternal punishment and then rejecting. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God loves you. Therefore he sent his son to die for you. And how much does the Lord love you? Well, let me tell you what the reply is. He loves you this much. Because this is what happened to him. The people took him one day and they stripped his clothes off. They whipped him with a Roman whip, which tore his back open. They put a purple robe on him and they mocked him. And they beat a crown of thorns into his bride. And they struck him with their hands. And they spat upon the king of glory's face. And they put a reed in his right hand and bowed down and mocked him. And they called out mockingly, Heal king of the Jews. And they led him through the streets of Jerusalem as a public spectacle. And up on Calvary they took him. There they nailed his hands and his feet into a wooden cross. And above the cross, the accusation read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And normally a criminal's crimes were written above their heads. But the Lord Jesus, he was sinless. And the ever-reigning King suffered in the place that should have been yours and should have been mine. 
And he suffered for your sins that he might bring us back to God. That's what the scripture tells us. This was all in God's plan. The Lord Jesus died so that you could go free. So that you could be free from the guilt of your sin. Free from sin itself. And in order to make you fit for heaven. Does that not say I love you? He died for people that had completely offended him. And that's amazing grace. Shown by the King of Kings. The Lord Jesus died so that God could make you part of his royal family. He's in heaven today and he sits at the right hand of the Father on high. And this evening the Lord Jesus wants you to be born again into his family. In other words, he wants you to make a fresh start with him as your saviour. The Lord Jesus died for you to save you from potential disaster and a lost eternity. And you don't deserve it, but he loves you so he shows his grace towards you. This is the God you need to know. David sent out his servants to look for any remaining members of Saul's family. And tonight I want to tell you that the Savior is searching for you. He's calling for you to come and join his family. To come and sit at his table. I wonder will you miss him. I want you to notice a very important word in our passage this evening. It said this. It said, any that are left of the house of Saul. Any King David placed no limits on this grace, this kindness. He was willing to extend it to any member of the house of Saul. And praise God tonight, when it comes to you and I, as we stand before the King of Kings, he offers his grace to the whosoever will. God's grace is offered to you tonight. Do you feel the things that you've done are too bad? Maybe you feel you're undeserving of his amazing grace. Maybe you're wrapped up in the guilt of something that you've done in the past. Well, God in his grace can free you from that guilt. And he can free you from the chains of your sin so that you can join the chorus that we sang earlier. My chains are gone. I've been set free. You can join in that chorus tonight too. You can come and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And David, he said, if there's any of the house of Saul, and the Lord Jesus says to you tonight, if there's any whosoever may call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Amazing grace, extended by the king. But I want you to see that this amazing grace was embraced by Mephibosheth. The picture that we have painted of Mephibosheth is a hopeless picture. You can see at the end of verse 13, he was lame in both his feet. He was hopeless. His father had been killed in battle. He, he had been lame since he was five years old. And he was and he lived in a place that was called Lodibon. And that means no pastor. And all of a sudden, he is before the king. And we see him in verse 6, and he falls on his face before the king. Look at verse 6, it says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come on to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. 
You know, a number of years ago when I was uh, at a tent mission, helping out of the faith mission, it was a three-week mission, and there was a particular man and his family had been praying and praying and praying that he would get saved. And he'd been alone to the tent mission for two weeks. And in the third week in, on the Wednesday, this man during the day was in his workplace. And as he stood in his workplace, the, the conviction of the Spirit of God came upon him. And he realised his great need of the Lord. And as he testified to us on the Wednesday evening of what happened, he told us that he couldn't take another step and he began to quake. And in the middle of the mechanics, in the middle of the floor, he got down on his knees. And he fell before the King of Kings and he gave his life to Christ. That's the picture that's painted here. Mephibosheth coming before the King. He falls on his knees amazed at the grace that's been extended, extended to him. He's brought before the King and King David calls him by his name. Do you see that? It says, and David said, Mephibosheth. David knew his name and called him by his name. Let me tell you tonight, the Lord knows your name. And in fact, he knows all about you. You see, there's no secrets with the Lord. And tonight he wants you to enter into a personal relationship with him. He wants to be a friend to you who sticks closer than a brother. And he offers you the riches of his amazing grace. And he'll be with you through the trials of life that you would only humbly bow before him. Just like that man at the tent mission. Just like Mephibosheth did before King David. And you would only bow before him tonight and admit your great need of him. You know, King David... Then he speaks peace to Mephibosheth's heart. Mephibosheth would become part of David's family and would be protected by the king. And God wants you to become part of his family. And yet there are so many who reject this opportunity in life. And, and if you continue to reject God, you'll never stand on the shore of heaven. Many people this evening reject Christ as the king. They refuse his word. They'll not come to him. They have no love or time for God and for the King of Kings. They won't receive Him. They seek honour from men rather than God. And they won't listen to what God has to say. And yet God, this message is proclaimed from this pulpit every Sunday night. is the message of hope, the message of amazing grace. And it's extended to you. Why would you reject it? Imagine hearing God's invite to be part of His eternal kingdom and rejecting Him. I don't know how a man, woman, boy or girl could do it. David also promised to give Mephibosheth a place at the king's table. And it's with a happy heart that Mephibosheth embraces the treasures of grace. And you're invited tonight to come and sit at the king of kings table. The Lord has paid the price for your sin and he says to you and he invites you to his banqueting table and his banner over his love and he comes and he says to you, come and sit at my table, come behold for all things are now ready, the price has been paid, your sin has been dealt with at the cross, just accept my free gift, come. And the Lord Jesus, he went to the cross and died for you and actually took your punishment and he just says to you, just repent and come. I can save you from eternal punishment, says Christ. 
Come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Stop taking on your burdens for yourself. Stop facing life. Stop taking on sin by yourself. I can free you from the guilt of sin. I can break the chains of your sin. If you'll only come. He says, come. And he's taking the punishment for you that you and I deserve. The simple plea is so gracious. He said, come. He can offer you protection from the disappointments of this life. He is that constant friend. He is the only one. The only one who will faithfully stand with you in this life. And if you're trusting him, he's the only one who will stand for you in eternity. In the past years, the turmoil, the unrest, the confusion, and all that's been going on has been so prominent. In 2020, there's been coronavirus, wars in Ukraine, wars across the world. Surely, as the world has stopped, surely it's caused you to stop and think, what is this life actually all about? You now turn to the Lord Jesus tonight and seek him for salvation. Here's the problem. If you continue to reject the grace of our God, one day he'll have to say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. You worked iniquity. And you will face an eternity in hell. And let me tell you that you won't be able to say that you never knew. For you sat in this place tonight, and many of maybe you sat in many other places. And you've heard the gospel again that Christ Jesus can save you. Imagine standing in eternity and thinking to yourself, Well, I knew. I never accepted. Come to him tonight. If you want respite from the way your life is, if you need refuge, come to him without delay. Place your life in his hands, for he loves you, and his grace is extended towards you. And he weeps over you. And he gave his life for you. I don't deserve the amazing grace that God has extended to me. Nor do you. But the King of Kings, tonight, forget my voice. Listen as the Lord offers his amazing grace to you. Julia Johnson penned a great hymn and sums up this double passage we've read in God's Word tonight. It says this, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, yonder in Calvary's mounted outpouring, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that can pardon and cleanse within, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. The King of Kings is calling you in his amazing grace tonight. I wonder, can you hear his voice? I quote this verse so often, but I think it's important. Today, if ye hear his voice, 
Pardon not. <laughs>